70% of us, the government tells us, are going to have a need for long-term care as we age. That is to say, we're going to need help. And it could be financial or it could be physical. And maintaining control is the important part. Hi, I'm Bobby. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years. I'm now a certified caregiving consultant and educator and the author of two books for caregivers. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. My co-host Mike is unable to join us today, but he will be back with me as soon as possible. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer some practical insights, and share some emotional support, and maybe even a laugh or two, which we all know is the best medicine. As more and more people are diagnosed with some form of dementia, it is increasingly important for families to make sure they and their family members are protected from scams that target elders. And that brings me to today's guest. Rory Clark has more than 30 years experience in the areas of law most relevant to disabled individuals and seniors. His personal experience has shaped his family-centered philosophy on estate planning and elder law. Rory is a nationally recognized practitioner, speaker, legal author, and educator. Welcome, Rory. It's so nice to have you here today, and especially for this subject that we have planned to talk about. I, bec- I became aware of a film called I Care A Lot, and I was horrified when I watched it. And I became equally horrified when I began to see um, comments about it on the various caregiving uh, Facebook sites and other social media sites where people were feeling as if they could not trust guardians anymore based on, on what they were seeing on that film. I understand that you have put together some information for people to help them deal with this issue. Could you tell me something about that? Our purpose for existing is to help people control their destinies, their financial well-being, and live with dignity and independence. So the question of sharing authority or having someone in, come in and take over responsibility for your affairs goes straight to the core of the issues that are most important to our clients. And like you, boy, we our phones lit up uh, with uh, clients and family members saying, I saw this thing. It looks like it's being pushed by Netflix. You know, please tell me it's uh, fiction. And uh, so I lo- went that day and uh, watched it uh, myself. And I've got to say, I was equally uh, horrified by what I saw. Uh, there's a little bit of drama. I think it's produced by Hollywood. So the Russian mobster uh, from the Game of Thrones is all added but the core story about the exploitation of the seniors is absolutely factual based in fact even the most horrifying examples in this fictionalized account really have a root in the in a true underlying story that happened in nevada when this guardian this court appointed guardian approaches this woman at her home you know and i'm looking at it and i'm seeing that her home is well maintained she she is perfectly dressed and groomed and capable. She has a social life outside. How is it possible that a, a complete stranger that she knows nothing about can come into her home and take her out under police escort? 
Well, it's because the law in Nevada at that time, and frankly, still allows for any person to propose to the court that someone needs uh, assistance to uh, keep themselves safe, uh, uh, appropriately medicated, uh, or dealing with the regular activities of life. Unlike most other states, in fact, every other state that I'm aware of, where the first thing that happens is an independent legal representative is appointed to represent the person who's the subject of the inquiry. In Nevada, this does not occur. And in the underlying story, the factual story that's the basis for this fictionalized account uh, there's a, a, a conspiracy going on between the professional guardian and caregivers, not even necessarily doctors, who produce an affidavit, don't even come to court. The, the professional guardian comes to court, presents this to a very, very busy uh, judge, asks for the protection of this person, and routinely uh, it gets awarded. So as you mentioned, this uh, well-groomed woman, I think she may have even been preparing to go exercise or swim right. or yoga or whatever. A stranger appears at the door at breakfast and says, uh, pack up. You're leaving now in that car. I'm not coming back tomorrow or next week. This woman had never received legal notice of what was pending. And when she objected, uh, just civilly and politely, she was threatened with arrest and being taken off to a psych ward. And of course, there's a lot of psychological games here where uh, people will resort to, you know, strategies of trying to uh, accommodate or appease or appeal to reason. And in this, in these situations, of course, the person on the other side is not interested in any of those things. So this poor lady, uh, uh, exactly like the woman in the uh, underlying story, got in the car, uh, left, and within days, the guardian was selling her home out from under her in order to uh, produce money so the guardian could bill the estate for taking care of the woman who, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in no objective way needed any help whatsoever. You know, and, and that brings up another question for me. Um, you know, I, I lead a support group for people uh, caring for someone with dementia. And, and one of them um, has a guardianship. And he is very specific when he's sharing information within the group about, you know, contacting someone like you, and in many cases, specifically you, but how, how he has to be meticulous in how he manages her money and her concerns. So when I saw that this woman was going in there, you know, and she was going through all of the woman's things and selling them off, supposedly so to pay for her care, who monitors that? Well, let's start with a basic point. We're all responsible for ourselves and we're presumed competent to handle our affairs. Now, that doesn't mean we're all presumed to be brilliant. Um, or, or the equivalent of Albert Einstein, but we're presumed competent to uh, take our medicines, manage our doctor appointments, and live our and live our lives. But there are points, and we can all think of examples where clearly, say, someone who's been in a car accident and is in a coma is not going to be in a position to make 
decisions and handle financial affairs for themselves. So the law provides for someone to come in and help when necessary. Two things that are important. The first is because authority rests with us, the first thing we look to is has the individual named someone they want to help? A child, a good friend, a professional advisor, maybe an accountant or a financial advisor. Uh, every court, including Nevada, looks to see if the person has designated someone that they personally trust to handle personal or financial decisions. The second thing, and if not, then the system takes over. And then this is the second point. The system is not federalized. The system is run by the 50 different states, the District of Columbia and 17 territories. So as long as they're consistent with the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights, states are allowed to have their own uh, uh, systems in place. And as I say, the systems uh, where uh, I'm practicing in Virginia, Maryland, and DC, all of those jurisdictions are very heavily cited on not appointing anyone to take over affairs for someone unless a decision is made that that person is not competent to handle their own affairs determines exactly the degree to which they need help. That is to say, you don't just flip a switch and somebody takes over everything. Uh, and then that person is accountable, has to report back to the court or a designation designated person from the court to demonstrate what kind of decisions they've been doing. And all of this is done in a transparent manner. So uh, family members are at least given notice of that uh, work that's being done uh, and the ability to come in court and confront the person who's doing the work. And of course, there's a, a professional uh, who called the commissioner of accounts who uh, literally has full-time staff that does nothing but does this uh, supervision. And it all premised on a process that takes several months um, whereby a judge has made a decision with the, in, uh, with the input of a, of a person who is not a part of the filing, but someone who is appointed by the court itself to say, yeah, this is a situation where somebody needs to be helped and we can't find any evidence that this person has designated someone they want uh, uh, on their own initiative to, to help them. So there's a much higher hurdle in uh, other states than in Nevada. And then there is a very close supervision that's publicly transparent that occurs here. The problem in this Nevada case is there is not an appointment of an objective third party. And uh, because the person was allowed to put in the papers that this woman you're talking about, her daughter was an alleged drug addict, an alleged drug addict. There was no proof of it at all. They didn't provide any evidence to her. They discounted her once she finally found out what was being, what was occurring to her mother. Uh, and the system just chugged on like a, a juggernaut without it. So uh, the the takeaway that people need to understand about this movie is that our rights are guaranteed to us by our constitution, but no man's or woman's uh, safety and uh, fortune is secure as long as any legislature is in session, right? You've heard that joke before. And uh, you need to be aware of the laws in the areas where you live. Um, 
people in my world uh, bridle at having guardians sometimes they feel mm -hmm. it's a big intrusion into their lives although sometimes it's a necessary evil uh, but there are some places where it really um, can be described as nothing but evil incarnate so my reaction to the people that I was seeing, you know, posting things on Facebook about, you know, make sure that you don't get involved with this was to say, OK, this there was a combination of, of, of a judge who was familiar with this guardian and felt comfortable with her. And then, like you mentioned earlier, there was the person that was in charge of the care facility who was feeding her information in order to make money. So I was telling them, this is not likely to happen, but contact an elder law attorney in your state. But it seems to me from listening to you today, it's far more possible to happen than I believed. The, the situation in Nevada, uh, well, the one thing I should say is people who find this interesting, uh, it is frightening to watch uh, I Care A Lot. And please do remember that this is a fictionalized account done by Hollywood to make money. It's a very uh, exciting, uh, upsetting, provoking story. Horror but if story. You, if you, <laughs> a horror story, absolutely. Uh, but if you've got the internet, if you've got cable systems, there is another program. I have nothing to, to do with it. Uh, it's a documentary that's uh, offered on um, Amazon Prime called The Guardians with an S. There's a lot of movies out there with the word guardian in it. But this is uh, done by an independent journalist. And it is literally the story of the investigation of the facts that led to the movie that's fictionalized in Netflix. Now, it is not an exciting Hollywood movie with the Russian mob. It's a rather dry, point-by-point point, uh, piece of serious work by a journalist that looks into what happened here and how the system was created. And I don't think you can understand those facts and come away with anything other than an intentional design by people of putting a system together that could be financially uh, exploited. It, it's... Uh, the, the guardians in Nevada do not have to be lawyers. In fact, most of them are not. In another state, any person who looked to take advantage of a person like this who had a license would have to consider at a minimum, even the most cynical, is it worth it for me to risk my license to practice law for the rest of my life to steal $150,000 from this woman? Right now, I'm, that maybe doesn't give people a whole lot of comfort. Uh, we like to think that our doctors and our lawyers have a higher sense of professional ethics. But the point is, in Nevada, they don't even require that analysis. You could take a class. I understand you could do it as, as easily as online over the weekend, get the credential to be a, a guardian. And then if you personally get information that Bobby Carducci needs help, you have a system that would allow you to go into court without informing Bobby. Bobby doesn't have to be at the hearing. There's no independent person, lawyer or non-lawyer, appointed to even articulate an argument on behalf of Bobby's case before a swamped judge who's trying to help in child abuse cases and other exploitation 
patient cases. And the person who comes in appears to be, uh, you know, as best as the, the judge knows, uh, a fine person who's just trying to help out seniors because who would do this work if they weren't good people? Hand over all authority and, and it's like slamming a door to a cell. Once that's happened, uh, the person in, in authority uh, can prevent information from going back to Bobby from going to Bobby's family. Uh, and there is no regular public transparent review of, of what gets done. Most other systems find that to be fundamentally inconsistent with due process rights under the federal constitution. This case is percolating up into the federal court system. People are pushing. And we do have hope that finally the federal judges will intervene and say, you know, this just doesn't match with American sensibilities uh, and the system needs to be revised, but that's uh, So how did people become aware of this? How did this story break? So I first heard about it myself by an expose that was published in the New Yorker magazine in the fall of 2017. And uh, it also involved the same underlying uh, facts, a, a, an exploitive woman, uh, not a lawyer, named April Parks, and uh, went into some pretty graphic detail about the situation that had happened there and how a family had lost uh, everything. Uh, I circulated that story or links to it in my social media. And Bobby, I've got to tell you, uh, probably a quarter of the responses, it was so unbelievable. Uh, people questioned my credibility as a lawyer for linking an article in the New Yorker that suggested that people were in a position where they could be exploited. And of course, you know, you've seen, especially with dementias, we've got people on the telephone saying they're the IRS or your granddaughter's been arrested in Costa Rica or, you know, story after story after story. And I think we have this notion that if the government's involved, it, it must absolutely guaranteed to meet all state, local, and national constitutional standards. And the point is we have a Supreme Court because many things don't. That's how they're held accountable. And yes, so- and, and the people in those positions are, are human and some of them have ill intent and some of them are looking out to see what they can profit from. So we definitely need to keep that. And uh, another thing that struck me in that movie, there was not a single person in it that was likable except for the poor man um, who did try to pull away yeah. from this, this organization and then ended up ruining his life at the end. Um, was there any kind of happy ending at the end of this real case? Well, that's a mixed uh, story. So as often happens, uh, because there was quite a bit of exposure, uh, because of the New Yorker article, uh, because of families that have become aware, distant families, usually this was usually happening to people who did not have family members in Nevada. So uh, there was no one to report to and there was no exposure and a high level of trust. But the government's involved. It must be uh, it's sad, but it must be necessary. So the woman in the particular case that was underlying all this was a woman named April Parks. And it appears that the system all turned to point to her as a person who was an anomaly, 
that uh, it was not the system that was the problem. It was this person, April Parks, who was trying to uh, exploit the situation. She was eventually, uh, and I mean, after a long period of time, removed as guardians for the family uh, in this instant case, uh, was sentenced to 40 years in prison, uh, had judgments entered against her in about uh, for about eight and a half million dollars. And everybody else then just dusted their hands off and said, okay, problem solved, went on. And, and the problem of allowing the appointment of non-lawyers with total lack of transparency, with independent appointment of a representative, even a non-lawyer representative, none of that was changed. The exact same system still persists in Nevada. And uh, according to the documentary, uh, there are numerous other cases of exploitation. And, you know, for, for evil to occur, uh, often it does need someone to uh, have evil intent. But there are also a lot of other folks who are just busy. You know, people will ask me, well, isn't there some kind of a public defender's office or somebody who would come in and respond to phone calls or inquiries? I mean, this just doesn't smell right. Well, imagine this uh, civil servant coming into work in the stack on that woman or that man's desk of cases of complaints and curiosities and concerns. And these, uh, and, and again, there's just not enough money and enough people uh, in the system to, to hold it, uh, to hold them accountable. So in this case, two things uh, were important. Ultimately, justice was had against this uh, terrible woman, April Parks. And as far as I know, she's still serving those 40 years in prison. But uh, any investigation into revising the system more consistent with American notions of due process has not yet uh, occurred. And I think the, the, the best hope amongst the lawyers is that some intervention by a federal court is gonna require Nevada to replace that old system with something that's more consistent that the rest of us sort of expect is the way uh, these kinds of things would work. As far as you know, is Nevada the only one that has this lack of oversight? You know, I got to say, I haven't done research into the, we, we lawyers get our licenses state by state. Uh, so we've got 50 different states, the DC and 17 jurisdictions that license their lawyers. So I certainly have done research into the areas where I commonly practice and where my clients commonly reside if they've moved from here. So I know quite a bit about New York, Florida, uh, even California, I can tell you that I have not come across another state that appears to lack the due process um, uh, safety nets uh, th that are uh, missing in, in Nevada. It seems to be outlying. Um, there may be other states that are there, but this is the point that we try to make. We want our clients to be responsible for themselves. And one, you don't need to uh, hire a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars before you move to a jurisdiction where your friends from college lived or a beautiful place where you want to retire. But a certain amount of inquiry is a, you know, is a, is a good thing. And a short conversation uh, could go a long way. But in any event, even in Nevada, if the person, this woman who was the object of this uh, exploitation, had simply prepared a financial power of attorney on her own, I mean, she could have done it online 
and named her daughter or a friend, that would have precluded the abusive court from stepping in and taking away her rights. So this woman could have protected herself by doing something that most persons who have children or who are approaching retirement do just out of good sense, because even though this was an exploitation, the truth of the matter is 70% of us, the government tells us, are going to have a need for long-term care as we age. That is to say, we're going to need help. And it could be financial or it could be physical. And maintaining control is the important part. For many people, we like to think we have a lot more time to address this than we actually do. Uh, one of the things that I try to teach people, you know, working age adults, sandwich generation, if you want to call them that, is the time to do these things is now because we're all okay until we're not. And I'm sure that this woman who was portrayed in the, in the film was perfectly confident that she was able to make decisions for herself. She didn't need anybody else to do that for her. Um, and she had time to, to put these steps in place. So talking to you today is another way for me to let people know that the time is now, regardless of how old you are. Well, because God is never doesn't promise any of us <laughs> tomorrow. And uh, Friday, I spent some time talking with a couple of daughters. Uh, their mother fell down the stairs Thursday night. Thursday afternoon, she was fine, in mm -hmm. charge, in control of everything. But she got unsteady, unsteady on the stairs fell, uh, broke a, a cervical vertebrae, two ribs, uh, twisted an ankle, uh, and was in the intensive care unit by Friday. And uh, at that point was not capable of doing anything. So one of the things I like to remind people, and nobody really likes to hear it, because we all want to be thoughtful. This is important, Bobby, I, I can't just do this you know, off the top of my head. I've got to think about who's the right person and how would I want to guide them. But when you make a decision to put off this kind of even basic planning, you're making a decision. A decision not to act is a decision. And the question isn't, is your oldest daughter the perfect agent for you under all considerations, under all circumstances? The real question is, is she a better choice than no one? And, and in my particular case, I'm, I'm the mother of four. And um, picking which one would be the one to make the decision really had a number of things that I needed to consider. And it ended up being the youngest of the four who was only financially um, in a position to help me if I needed it, but close by, good head on her shoulder, extreme planner, um, somebody that I have talked to about this. And the other three children are far away. They have different skills. So we talked about how they can contribute to that care, whether it be uh, having their kids come over and cut the grass for me or get my car inspected if I needed it but you absolutely want to choose who that person is and make it clear to the other family members because very often we see cases where one person steps up to, to take care of mom or dad or whoever it is and someone else in the family isn't happy with that 
And then you end up with not only family problems, but maybe even legal issues as they challenge the power of attorney and that kind of thing. Well, Bobby, you raise, you touch on a really important point that I think contributes to uh, the fact that some folks will put off this decision because even if you do appreciate that it needs to be done now, and even if you do say, I'm capable of finding that right person, we all then have to think about the uh, politics of it, right? <laughs> so I'll give you my family story. You mentioned yours. I'm also one of four kids. Now I'm the baby. I'm, I was not planned. My mother never said, she didn't say unwanted. She said unplanned. <laughs> There's eight years between me and my next closest sibling. My oldest sibling was 14 years older than me. Now for most of my life, when my parents had their documents together, they did what was objectively inoffensive. Well, we're going to name the oldest to make those decisions. Now, since the 1980s, I've been a lawyer and we probably went half a decade into why would my sister, who was an archaeologist, be a better person to help mom and dad with their financial and personal decisions than their own son, who is an estate planning and elder law lawyer. But to make a change could be perceived as an insult to my sister, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's the solution? The solution is not to keep this to ourselves and to hunker down and to defer. The secret is to have a conversation. And sometimes you get a kid who says, oh, mom, shoot me in the head. There is nothing I would want less in this world to be responsible for changing your diapers or paying your bills. I've got three children, one with special needs and a full-time job. I could not possibly handle that. But you've got another person who says, no, I would love to be able to do it. And by the way, I'm only a half a mile away. Exactly. And sometimes there are different roles that different people can have. My clients will often pick one person who could be distant, who handles the financial things. The fact that you live in Oregon doesn't mean you are, could do a bad job of handling investments or paying bills. My God, we could do that online. But another child who may not be able to balance her checkbook could be the best one for making healthcare decisions and helping you get to doctors. So I try to engage my clients in a conversation about their whole families and the various strengths, challenges that they have, balancing those with the various roles, because there are a lot of different things that people can do. And frankly, some families like it when that work is divided up so that it doesn't all fall on one person's shoulders. Thank you again, Rory, for being with us today. There's one thing that I would like to say at the end, even if you're never thinking of moving to Nevada, it's very important to understand what the laws are and what the protections are in your state. And the best way to do that is to find someone like Rory Clark from Legacy Elder Law Center. Again, Rory, thank you for being with us today. Bobby, I appreciate you having me on and giving me an opportunity to talk about this disturbing and interesting uh, movie. I, I hope your listeners learn some important things. Well, I jotted down a couple of takeaways and you know the first thing i wrote was you need to formally name someone to to make decisions for you when it becomes necessary because like i said before all of us are okay until we're not and eventually <laughs> right. we're going to need some kind of assistance 
The other thing is states have their own systems and some are better than others. And the last thing I wrote down is the time to prepare is now. All right. That's it, because you retain control. That's in the essence. You boil all this down. The New Yorker story, what really happened to this movie, what was it about? It was about controlling decisions for this woman who, why is it such a horrible example? Well, because she was in control. Someone was exploiting it. But we all have a certain responsibility to take charge for ourselves and putting off decisions because it's inconvenient or I want to go play bridge or I don't want to have a, I don't want to offend one of my children. Those are all interesting ideas and they make sense. But when it comes down to push meeting shove, acting to take control of your own life is the most important thing. Okay. And on that note, you can find more information about Rory Clark and Legacy Elder Law on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes or the Roger That Facebook page and post a review and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you would like your identity to remain private, you can direct message your question on Facebook and we will answer. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show.